Welcome to the Kansas City War Room, Warlords. On this episode of the Strategic Hana Saga podcast, we'll be talking about using an after-action report to help review and break down each game you play while building towards an upcoming tournament. Before we get into the topic today, I would like to welcome two of our local players to the podcast. First, I'd like to introduce Stephen Hollowell. I say I've played against you quite a bit. Uh, I know your wargaming history, but for those listening, would you mind telling us your wargaming history and kind of how long you've been playing Saga? Uh, well, as far as miniatures, I got started probably in uh, the early 2000s. I uh, started with a, a tabletop um, miniature game called Warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of pretty big on the East Coast mostly, I think. But um, And uh, it was an ancient game and played that for a while. And then our gaming group kind of transitioned into Flames of War. And uh, we were hot and heavy into that, part of the playtest group and everything. And then uh, kind of about 2008, 2009, I got married and just kind of st- <laughs> kind of stopped miniature gaming for a while, mm-hmm. <laughs> quite a while. And then uh, uh, Charles uh, introduced Saga uh, to me during the pandemic. And I played a couple of games here or there, but kind of really got started last year, uh, May, kind of prepping for it. And then uh, I went to Saga Storm and uh, then to Fimble Winter and Adepticon to kind of a you know, dove in, and now, now I've got uh, like three or four different saga, saga projects going at once here, so I'm in pretty deep. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we talked about that before. Is once you kind of get into saga, it kind of just, as I'm somebody building probably three or four projects myself, it's kind of duly <laughs> noted. So, um, yeah, and one of the things I, I know I've I've heard you talk about in the past is, like I said, flame flames of war was something that you kind of competed pretty heavy in, um, and. We'll probably talk about this as we go through, but kind of asking you kind of like the prep for that or thinking about after action reports, how really any war game kind of you try to kind of slowly build forward and learn from those experiences. And I know you and I both been playing Saga about the same amount of time. Um, But yeah, so I guess that's where I just want to say thank you for being on here today. Uh, Yeah, glad to be here. And so for our second guest, I would like to welcome back our current monarch of Mocan, Charles Yaw. Uh, so last time we talked with Charles, uh, I wanted to talk to you about the season and waited to ask you about your war gaming history, uh, specifically for the first time you kind of came on the podcast as somebody on one of these episodes. Uh, so Charles, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your war gaming history and how long you've been playing Saga. Oh, good evening, Brett. Uh, well, I've uh, been playing Saga for uh, since the pandemic, uh, so version two only. I didn't uh, get into version one because I wasn't... Uh, at, at that point in time, it was kind of like Steven. I was kind of taking a break from competitive wargaming and we're just kind of playing basement battles at, for a while. But wargaming history, well, I'm old, so it, uh, it goes <laughs> back to it goes back a long way. So the, the first competitive games that I, I could think I was playing, when, when I was playing high school football, we used to get together and play Risk on Thursday night before the games. Mm-hmm. And it was just something a bunch of us did for, you know, several years while we were in high school. Uh, I transitioned from that. Uh, uh, while I was in the army, I started playing uh, 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 board, uh, Avalon Hill board games, uh, which okay. there's lots of them, you know. And so uh, played a lot of those uh, through a long period of time. Uh, in the probably in the in the 80s, I had a couple of friends who kind of introduced me to playing miniatures, and we were playing mostly Civil War and BattleTech and and uh, 
Civil Wars would be big set piece battles, and then we'd play in Battle Tech mm-hmm. a lot, and 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 games like that. Uh, I started playing a uh, Warhammer in the early '90s, uh, which I really kind of liked the game. And and it, during that period of time in the '90s, we kind of formed a club at, at tabletop uh, called the Tenth Cav, and uh, our first uh, competitive games were in Warhammer. And then we transitioned through that, through uh, uh, a couple of different things at Warrior, where I met Stephen when he uh, joined up, joined up with us. And then we went into uh, uh, Flames of War, you know, pretty heavy, and played that. And around about 2010, I kind of took a, a break from competitive gaming, and we're just back to playing the the, the basement battles kind of thing for a long time. And then mm-hmm. found Saga and thought wow, I really like this real set. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then the first uh, couple of tournaments I went to, I, well, I really like the guys that are playing this too. You know, this is the, mm-hmm. the level of comp- level of competition. I want to be playing at They're really good players, but they're really friendly. You know, it's not yeah. a, and so it's just a, a really a nice combination of the two things. Yeah. I think that's kind of the, the big thing. I, going back to that, everybody that gets drawn into uh, saga, that always tends to be the thing is that, there's a really good competitive nature, but we're all really also just having a lot of fun. And that's kind of always the thing. But at the end of the day, I want to get better at this game so I still can beat you, but we can have fun, right? I can win and I get to have fun. Yeah. Um, and so first, I want to just say thank you, Charles, for being here. Oh, thank you, Brett. Yeah. And so kind of jumping over to our topic today. Uh, and this, the reason I kind of come up with this is right. An after action report. I think a lot of people you see them posted online all over the place. Um, for me, when I think of an after action report, I always kind of back to my time in the military is we would always use an after action report or like a post operation review to learn what went right, what went wrong, and kind of as a way to continue to learn forward. And so I wanted to spend some time today to discuss the tactics and ways that you guys review and build strategies for upcoming tournaments. Um, because I know the two of you, like you said, you guys have been playing together for a long time. And I always know when I play one of you, you've probably talked to the other one and strategized. <laughs> um, so in a way, I always, get a, I always get a piece. If I play Hollowell, I'm getting a piece of Charles' strategy. If I play Charles, I'm probably getting a little bit of Hollowell strategy. So um, that's the other reason I like to have both of you guys on today to talk about this. Um, because I also get really good reports back from both of you guys. After we play a game... We kind of just BS around and kind of joke what went right, what went wrong. Um, but before we jump into that, both of you guys just came back from a tournament, uh, Feast of Ravens. And I just kind of want to ask kind of how that went for both of you guys. Charles, Steve, go ahead. Well, Steve, you've, you finished higher than I did, so why don't you go first? <laughs> well, um, I went to a already painted army I had, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Goss, although mm-hmm. now I've painted uh, repainted two units. My 2022 painting is uh different than my 2023 painting now that i'm you know i'm kind of getting back into the swing of that and basing mm-hmm. and all that anyway i came up with a couple of new units and uh shield maidens were allowed and i'd always seen them so i got to <laughs> use them with the goss which is you know uh, that was kind of fun so yep seems like just uh, a ballistic level of fun on that level but yeah <laughs> so yeah uh i don't know did you want me to go through the games or how, how'd you want um, to do that yeah, no, I mean, I guess when I kind of think about for you, and we'll kind of jump into even some of these questions, but for you, uh, when you're going through the tournament, and we'll kind of get into prep for it, but just kind of, you ended up placing, and I'll say this, you placed second at the tournament. Uh, I kind of saw the report just yesterday, it was kind of like one point, I think uh, Joe Rogers 
kind of pipped out one point. Uh, it looked like there were like two or three guys that got nine points. You were one of them. Um, yeah. And so kind of as you went through the tournament, was there anything that you had practiced that you kind of knew you wanted to do? Um, yeah. Kind of going in, did you have like a set strategy, which we'll, well kind of jump uh, into some of the questions on that, but I, I think that's kind of my big one to start off with. Did you have like a set strategy going in that you knew what you kind of wanted to do for each game? Well, uh, one of the strategies that uh, we've talked about, we, we Charles and I talk about, uh, actually most of the guys in our game group talk about is is uh, the the terrain setup and how to set up in the terrain. Mm-hmm. And this is a different thing that uh, you know that I've encountered. So I haven't really had to mess with terrain since uh, the days of Warrior, but in Flames of War, you know those those tables are all set, so mm-hmm. you just you just have to come up and look at the table and then start figuring from there. But here, you know, you got to figure. Well, if I go first, what I'm gonna, what what am I gonna put down? Where am I gonna put it? Uh, mm-hmm. What if that's a cav army? There's a, there's a lot of different variations that go into there. Uh, so I didn't really uh, know what, what anybody was playing, but we kind of had a basic setup. We set up a couple times for each of the uh, uh, each of the scenarios on uh, t- tabletop simulator. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of been a go-to tool, and I highly recommend it. Uh, and then we kind of look at the, uh, the any special rules and and that sort of thing, and uh, you know just kind of go through that, see what, what's optimal for for our, our armies uh, each game. And invariably, we make a mistake. And uh, again, this tournament <laughs> we made another we made another huge mistake. <laughs> so. Uh. Fimble winner, I made a big mistake, and uh, this one I, I made a big mistake on. I didn't understand the uh, the points or, or some of the options on uh, the scenario. And this is with us reviewing, so uh, these mm-hmm. uh, reviews and stuff we do are not infallible. <laughs> you know, we're uh, yep. In in the end, it's a hobby, so it's not a full time job, luckily, because uh, some troops might have died then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Luckily, it's a it's a fun hobby that I don't have to. It's not life or death. But yeah, so the basic uh, gist of it is, I, I won my first game, and uh, it was uh, we did we kind of just jockeyed around the first couple of turns because we had our limited saga dice, and then we just from then on we just we were just smashing troops into each other for the next couple of turns, and mm-hmm. and I, I didn't write down my massacre points, but uh, we were playing let the blood run, and we each uh, only had the uh, uh, the blood pool one time, so that oh, tells wow. you. Uh, how close that uh, that was, and then mm-hmm. uh, the second game is uh, that's where the big mistake came in. That was a heavy load, and mm-hmm. um, I think the first player to go had a much bigger advantage than I than I fully realized. And um, my opponent Adam, who was the other goth there, he bid two points, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he quickly earned that back in turn two, and then held on to two objectives the rest of the game, and. I guess the big advantage there to going first is uh, you can maneuver, then move, and you're basically yep. almost right on the objective, and your opponent can't maneuver, and uh, that mm-hmm. so you're basically pinned. So he ended up with an eight-four win. Their massacre points were just uh, kept score as a tiebreaker for the tournament, which actually comes mm-hmm. into play later. Ouch. Okay. So that. Yep. And then uh, my third game, uh, we were playing a new feud. And uh, I was playing a, guy, a gentleman by the name of Casey, and we, uh, 
you know, we just kept smashing into each other too. We had a lot, (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot of people dying there, but he played the mystic, which I was super excited to see the mystic Mm -hmm. in action just because of the pure chaos of it. But uh, yep. Yep. The, the limited dice first turn, uh, so he couldn't really, the, uh, the Mystic wasn't really in play because we only had three dice the first turn. Uh-huh. And then after that, uh, through the course of the game, his Mystic, uh, uh, he lost his Mystic. And then I was uh, went after his Warlord, too, uh, just per- purely out of fun. And there's, there's no strategy in me going after the Warlord. Besides, mm-hmm. I wanted to kill Arthur, right? Yep, but, but that's yep. what came into play at the end. So at the end, um, I had uh, six points for the two victories, and uh, I think it was a was it a zero points for a loss or one point for a loss, Charles? I don't remember. It was zero. So I had zero. zero points for the loss, but I had killed the warlords in all the games. So that popped me up to nine points, and uh, mm-hmm. I went from table three to second place. Basically, the old submarine strategy. Holy cow, uh, <laughs> that's really cool. Sorry, yeah. I like looking at the scores; it doesn't show that. That's actually really cool to see that. So, yeah, I uh, I actually had no intent. I'd like to say that was that was my plan all along, but really, I was just <laughs> like, man, I could kill Arthur. So I sent uh, the shield mains into Arthur, and they killed each other, and uh, <laughs> that was that was it. And so anyway. We turned in the scores, and, and then uh, Casey looked over to the side. And he goes, "Oh, here's some uh, your your levy unit shot these two guys." So uh, uh, levy units, uh, anybody or anybody that was sh- uh, died by shooting was only worth a, a levy points. Levy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those two uh, warriors that I shot were worth a total of one point. Of course, they mm-hmm. wouldn't have been if they were warriors either. But it didn't matter if they were hearth guard warriors or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll go." Uh, uh, fix our scores. So I ran over to the scorers table and uh, the scorer said, well, that may come into play. And it sure enough, it did because somebody else had nine points and I had one more massacre point. Than oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. So uh, thanks to Casey for uh, looking off to the side, thinking enough of it that, that it actually mattered because it did. So there you go. Well, it's really cool. Like I said, I think it's a kind of a fun way to see, uh, one, I say, I, I don't know. I love Warlord kills. I say in our seasons, I purposely put them there. There to me is nothing funner than yeah. chasing down somebody's Warlord and killing them. Um, that's that's a cool way to kind of get get back up to second. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, thank you. Like I said, it's really cool. And I guess, Charles, if you don't mind me jumping in really quick, how did your tournament I, go for you? Well, uh, similar to Stevens, uh, I won my first game. I played... Uh, John Steitz, who's uh, who had Irish, and he's a mm-hmm. he's a very very good player from Minneapolis. Very good player, yep. And and, uh, and I, I beat him. Uh, I think it was twenty three or twenty four to twenty. The game was probably not quite that close because I killed his warlord uh, in shooting, and it only counted as one point because <laughs> I shot oh, him. Oh, jeez, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, but uh, the uh, I, I my. Like I was playing Anglo-Saxons and I had the angry monks as my, my levy or my, uh, work unit. Mm-hmm. And the monks performed wonderfully in that game against the Irish. <laughs> so the first, uh, first, first, uh, three turns of the game, uh, he was kind of shooting me and kind of moving in and getting a lot of, a lot of javelin shots at me. And I was having to get my boys lined up to, to, to fight. And so I got the monks in on a charge to start turn four and he kind of, he had a, 
he had the two at Kareth, which are champions, you know, and mm-hmm. had one of them kind of setting out to where I could charge it with the monks. And it was a perfect foal for the monks because I could charge this thing that had four Sagadice and uh, it couldn't close ranks because it had javelins. Mm-hmm. And so it was killing like two monks a turn. And, and all I was doing to it was just uh, putting a, a fatigue on it from the fight. Yep. And, and I'd bounce off, but then I'd, it would give me a couple sack of dice. I could pick up fatigue <laughs> on the units on either side of the monks and charge other stuff. And so we had a, a six-round uh, monk charge turn. <laughs> and John told me after the game, it was the longest sack of turn he'd ever played in his life. <laughs> I say so playing the, against those monks, yes, that, that, so, yes, that so always happens. It was just perfect. And so by the time it was over with, he didn't have a whole lot of army left. And, uh, and then on turn five, I killed his warlord. That was kind of the end of the game. But uh, and then I drew Joe Rogers, who won the tournament uh, in, in round two. And I played Joe once before and we tied. Uh, and I, I, Steven, Steven's already talked about this. It was the, the feasting and pillaging takeoff. Uh, what was the name of it? Heavy, Heavy load. load. Heavy load. And there was some rules in it that massacre points didn't really matter. It was just you know, get get up on the objectives and score. And we had went back and forth on how many points to bid on this. And we kind of settled on one because we didn't think, just thought two was too many. And Joe and I both mm-hmm. bid one. And, and we had we had a roll off then and we mm-hmm. rolled the dice off three times before he finally beat me six to five <laughs> and, he, and he of course went first and got up on the objectives and the game was pretty much over uh i, I couldn't i couldn't get him back from him and uh and so he he won that game although i did have more massacre points than he did and from fighting him and, and mm-hmm. to be fair he was he was withdrawing a lot but yeah. i had a chance i had a chance to kill his warlord and it's the only time in the whole tournament where my monks kind of failed me because they they charged his warlord to and it was going to leave the warlord exhausted and I had another unit then to go in and and, and get him but I was out of sack of dice so the monks have got to give me some dice yep. and so the warlord hit the monks like six times and the monks saved all six. <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> and I just looked one... at those, I looked at those dice and went, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so then he then the warlord managed to get away after that but mm-hmm. but uh so then i had uh 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 oh gosh uh no, no i'm having a blank on a guy played in the third round uh feud uh, yeah uh oh what's his name uh, he played with us on friday uh <laughs> What? I say, I don't remember, Scott, yeah. About Scott? No, Scott, yeah, yeah, Scott Durung, Scott Durung, yeah, <laughs> no, it's just not, not coming to me. So I played Scott Durung in the last round. He had Vikings, he had the uh, Shield Maidens with him, and uh, it, it, it was all Anglo-Saxon, to, to put it bluntly. He, uh, <laughs> uh, his high water mark, he tried to charge in turn four uh, or turn three. My, my, uh, I had the uh, counselor, and he had the the traitor. And he tried to charge mm. the counselor. I had six hearth guards set behind it, and the counselor yep. didn't have any fatigue on him, and nothing, nothing much happened there. The counselor was yep. exhausted, exhausted the counselor, but it left a unit hanging out in range of the monks. The monks went to town with everybody else, and 
And at the end of the game, uh, uh, I scored 35 points in that game. Massacre points. Holy so, cow. That's about as much as you can get in a game at that point. Well, the only uh... thing left, there was, there were five shield maidens left at the end of the game. Yep. You know, so, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I know it wasn't a lot of fun for him in the last two rounds, but I, yep. uh, I, I, I knew at that point, you know, it's kind of still in it for, you know, the, the second place thing, but it, not getting George Warlord it, it ended up costing me. So I ended up with eight mm-hmm. points and, yeah, but I did have 78 massacre points, which was like, pretty good you know it's pretty happy yep. with that so the anglo-saxons performed really well in the in the, in the straight up fights you know so you know, i'll say so. as a as a fellow anglo-saxon fan that's uh they do really well when you throw them into combat a lot so i always yeah. like it uh yeah well i had a couple one of the guys i played you know comment on is that i've never seen anybody play these things this aggressively you know because i was pretty aggressive with them the whole, <laughs> whole tournament you know you know so he said but you know, the guys up here just sat around and go on defense with them. And I thought, well, but oh. we're not here to do that. You know, so we're here to fight, mm-hmm. you know, so. That's sorry. I oh, guess that's, was... I think of, I think of like the Goss, the, you guys went up there with the Goss and the Anglo-Saxons. And to me, I can't think of two more aggressive war bands. I love yeah. being aggressive. So it was, <laughs> it, it was a really well-run tournament. The guys I played with were all super and, you know, it was just fun. You know, so, you know. Good. I'm glad you guys had a lot of fun. I think there's something in there, and this maybe jumps over to some of our questions that I kind of set up for today. Um, And this actually leads me to the first question where, for me, it's after looking through some of the packets, right? So that's where we talk about when you're going to a tournament, always look at the packets. Um, And at least in this moment, I always the first question I have is, what's the first thing you try to do when you look at a packet? But I wanted to jump back really quick, and you mentioned something as you were looking through the packet you're talking about how many points to bid, right? How many points do I give away? Um, and initially something might sound good, right? I only give one point away, but not realizing if I can get up there and grab the objective and the only points really available for this are the objectives, giving away two, maybe I would say three points at most, but you're going to get that back in the objectives. Um, is something that's kind of hard to not do unless you play test it. Well, there was one catch to the objectives is that they, there was a third chance that they would be stationary and that you couldn't, you know, uh, pull them back. And Mm -hmm. so, so then they would become the ones that you just had to be close to, to contest. And if that happened, then, you know, one of the objectives in the game with Joe turned out that way and nobody ever scored it. I scored one point on it. I think at the end of the game, you know, just was like, nobody could get any points off of it. So, uh, so there was that, that was always in the back of your mind when you're bidding, you know, if these things, do that and i gave him two points and they all they, and we rolled fives on all these objectives you know I, I lost you know so so that was something we had to consider okay well that's fair i guess so, that's fair i didn't think about that as like something like that that small tweak keeps you hesitant although in hindsight in hindsight i would have been two points you know but that's mm-hmm. hindsight yep i think we were swayed a little we had charles and i played the scenario in a practice uh, on tabletop simulator and uh he contacted two of the objectives and rolled fives and sixes. So maybe somewhere in the back of our, our minds, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're thinking, well, these, these guys might just stick around. So the more you bid, the more trouble you're in. So it didn't turn out that way in the tournament. I'll tell you that, uh, in, in my game, uh, two of them were, were movable and one wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was, you know, yeah. that's how you lose eight to four. So <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, the other two scenarios, I went, I bid two to go first to both of them, and it worked really well for me because I wanted to dictate the terrain, especially in the first game against the Irish. 
And mm-hmm. then the second game, it didn't really matter. Other than I just wanted to go first, like so get this, get big dice first. So, so, so even in that, that's where I, I kind of go back to that that question is like, what are you looking for? As you're kind of looking through the packets, and it's that it's knowing that I'm going to get dice, um, or God, I hate to go. And that's something else we can talk about, but just that idea that sometimes you're one or maybe two practice games taking a second to look at it and go, hold on. Like you said, is that we rolled a five or a six and they turned stationary. Whereas like what one through four allows them to move. I think yeah. in that one. Yeah. And so you're, you're what a 33% chance hit basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. And when you build a scenario based around like, hold on, that, that can happen. And it did happen to at least one of the objectives, right? At least one objective statistically should, but yeah. uh, should stay still. But when you have two or th- all three of them, it's a hard thing to get past. So, um, but yeah, coming back to that question, if you guys don't mind me asking for you, when you first go through a packet for a tournament, what are some of the things that you're looking to do? Well, the first thing I'm looking at is the objectives to, to see what kind of, to see if the army I want to take uh, will be able to uh, take those objectives. And, and, uh, and then, that there's special rules like when you go up to minnesota they almost always and you've been to adepticon where they run yep. it they, mm-hmm. they're going to discount shooting a little bit maybe a lot you know yep. uh and so it does impact shooting now I'm, I'm still of the theory that if you shoot them off the board it really doesn't matter but <laughs> but uh there is a point in some of the some of the uh the first thing with let the blood run shooting does hurt you a little bit because you do have to get that combat pool built up but you know, we're looking at that on, on how the objective impacts the wars war bands we want to take. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let Stephen elaborate on that. Yeah. Well, I kind of uh, like Charles. I I would. I think I look I look at it just a little differently. I look at uh, you know a lot of these scenarios that come out. The last thing written will be, will be winning the game, and just kind of work backwards from there. But. Uh, yeah, there's just some big categories. How are you going to score? Uh, any special rules involved? Uh, is there a terrain? Uh, how important is terrain going to be? Um, how are you going to attack it against a mobile player versus a uh, you know a, a guy that moves as a uh, armored fist or a guy that just sits back and says, "Come get me." So you kind of got to examine all of those things. So, so our AARs, for example, are usually just like talking about what we're wrong with our initial game plan. So, mm-hmm. so uh, we do a lot of pre-planning and a lot of uh, post analysis, but uh, you know, that's what those long car rides for, are for. So, yep. <laughs> now, you know, so, you know, when, you know and, and we want to look at the scenarios to see whether you want to go first or second and some scenarios depends on it. Some of them you want to go second. Uh, I wanted to go first and, and all of them up there because it was, uh, the first one I wanted to I wanted to be able to dictate the train and I wanted to get to the dice first. Mm-hmm. The, the third one, the, the second one is obvious. You wanted to go first to get the objectives, and I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. And the third one, though, I wanted to go first because I wanted to pick my pick my uh, my counselor uh, or yeah. my, uh, my my champion, and so I picked the so I picked the counselor because he generated a second dice and he had we obey, you know, and he also had. Uh, and he also was Rosaeus one, and he also had bodyguards. Yep. You know, I mean, you know, he just was like, you know, I mean, this guy's good, you know, and I, and I wanted him. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so train really in that scenario really doesn't matter much because we're, we're the entire fight was on the hill, you know. So it's just, yep. 
you're in, in the middle of the board, you're going to slug it out. <laughs> I said, that's one thing I like that scenario for is like what, cause the old feud, you put the, you put it kind of anywhere. Um, whereas like the new feud is Raj is, is if you don't know, uh, Raj from Saga Thor's day has his own scenario of the old feud where you put a hill in the middle and you fight on the hill and you put your champion on the hill and get points for doing that. Um, and that, Honestly, it's a fun, I, I don't know. I think for the Anglo-Saxons and the Goths, I don't think you could do a better, put your whole army in one place and let me just come up there and just kind of hit you until I can't hit anymore. But um. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it worked well, obviously, for the Anglo-Saxons. You know, but, mm-hmm. you know, I was playing a Viking who wanted to be there too. You know, so it, it was, you know, Anglo-Saxons, I, they saved well. You know, I had save abilities mm-hmm. up when I needed them. And, yep. and, uh, and closing ranks was just... You know, we're trading warriors for levy. You know, it's uh, yep. kind of what the game was. You know, <laughs> and, and and to be fair to Scott, you know, I mean, I told you I pretty well took his warband out. He killed forty levy in that game. You know, so <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't like the Anglo Saxons were bloodless. You know. Yep. You know, you know. Yeah. Anytime you get those two armies on the war on the on the table, that's a bloody that's a bloody battle. But, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that leads me to kind of the second question is after you guys are playing through. So now you've kind of figured out your first scenarios you're playing through. Um, and as someone who's helped play test, play test is myself. Um, but I would kind of want to hear your guys' thoughts on as you're playing through the scenario, uh, what are the takeaways you look for? Is there anything that you're trying to purposely do is you've now looked through the packet, you've built that initial plan and you run it through. Is there anything specific that you care to look for? Um, or is it just kind of in general, there's a few things you care to look for. Well, usually what I f- focus on first is what cost me a game. And um, like, was it uh, the fault of our planning or my planning or Charles planning or whatever, you know, <laughs> when we're talking and we're discussing the game. And and if we, uh, you know, just uh, this latest example, if we, we talk about heavy load, um, I mean, we should have probably risked more on a bid. I, I didn't even bid anything because I, I didn't think my opponent was going to bid anything. And he actually bid <laughs> two. Uh, so I was willing yeah. to bid one and just held it back the last second. And that was a huge mistake. He bid two. And, yeah. and of course, uh, you know, Adam, Adam was uh, completely correct to bid two because you're not mm-hmm. going to pull a goth uh, no. with full, full defensive dice off, a, off an objective. Uh, so, you know, and, and it, you know, if you know, if you know the goth battle board, you'll know that goths can hit really hard also. Mm-hmm. So if I load up all my dice and go hit something, I can, you know, uh, earlier in the tournament, I had vaporized a, uh, eight man, a hearth guard unit with one of those <laughs> goth alpha strikes, uh-huh. but I came in and hit a fellow goth and just mm-hmm. bounced. Uh, so mm-hmm. Uh, so we get back to the, the mistake that I made, and uh, I'm going to give Charles partial blame here too. <laughs> what I, what I, was we we didn't place enough emphasis on uh, how much we should bid on this, and uh, I'm going to jump back to Fimble Winter where uh, I was playing uh, the Lady of the Lake, and uh, I was going against John Stentz, and he he bid three. I thought, oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. And uh, he was uh, he got in there with Scots, and of course I did the old uh, Goth Alpha Strike and bounced off the Scots, mm-hmm. and then I saw the points from the objective accumulating, and I realized pretty quickly there's no way I can win this because mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly how the points work without looking it up, but they accumulated at a at a rapid rate. Exactly. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, they went up exponentially. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was, it, it was really. They probably, I, I didn't like the way they did it, and I didn't realize they did it until we actually. I was in that scenario too, and I'm going, oh wait a minute, I got uh-huh. one, and then I got three, and then I got five, and then I got ten or something. It was nuts yep. how how they went up. You know, so, so John had looked at this scenario and he recognized that, and Charles and I, or at least I didn't, well, I, did I did not. Yeah. I didn't recognize it, and we had play tested. I think we played it two or three times, and it yeah. just still oh. missed it. So yeah. whenever I AAR, I'm always looking for things that my strategy before the game, you know, put me way behind. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, in both of those cases, in heavy load and Lady of the Lake, the fact that I didn't recognize a win condition. Uh, you know contributed heavily to to me losing and you know props yeah. to those guys because they, they they saw it right away and i was the yeah. knucklehead you know <laughs> well uh another thing along those lines that, that we do brett and uh when you look at scenarios and you've got your army picked out that you're going to take you look at the scenario and you determine then what your army composition is going to be because saga allows you to make some changes in your list from uh you know, game mm-hmm. to game. And so, for instance, uh, uh, if I've got a list that allows me to take foot warriors and mounted warriors or foot levy and mounted levy or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. how does this scenario uh, uh, work for that? Does what what benefits there? Uh, do I need to take more or less hearth guard in this game? Like, like my Anglo Saxon list, I had one point of hearth guard, but the you know tournament rules allowed me to round that up to one and a half if I want to. Yep. And so I did that in two of the games. Uh, so you know, is that needed? Like to hold hold us hold an objective or uh, uh, protect something? Uh, you know, so you want to adjust your list too from. Uh, and, and we're going to look at that to see what list adjustments need to be made. For instance, I know Steve was running in at least one or two of the games up there, a 12 pack of warriors, you know, mm-hmm. but he had the option uh, to split that, you know, into two sixes. For, yep. I, also, I also had the option to mount them. So, yeah. Yeah. So he had, had a lot of options with that, uh, with those points of those warriors. And, and it comes in handy, you know, depending on the stereo. So even that is playing through all those scenarios, knowing how you're going to kind of change your own war band around as yeah. you go through the tournament, right? Is that, I, I like that. That I guess yeah. it goes back to yeah. the painting table. Unfortunately, as you're, you better be ready to paint some extra points. But yeah, I it, knew going up, I was going to have you know, what I was going to play in each scenario, unless something was radically came at me that I, you know, that forced me to change what I wanted to do, and it mm-hmm. didn't. So I was able to put my uh, you know, army down like I wanted to, but I took with me, you know, like, you know, lots of extra troops. So I <laughs> changed that stuff around, you know, <laughs> I had, mount, I played mounted hearth guard and foot, foot hearth guard, you know, in this scenario and, and, uh, you know, different things like that. Yeah. I, I like that though. I like that idea of like, as you game plan, you're looking through and you're play testing, you're, you're thinking about that. You're thinking about that idea of yeah. what would, what would changing this unit? I think we talked about this as uh is like the difference between Anglo-Saxon mounted hearth guard and how they play compared to foot hearth guard and why I would choose to do the difference in different games and scenarios. And um, yeah, so I, I really like that tip is kind of go through and do some of that stuff. Um, and I like the other idea too, is thinking about the win conditions. So I think sometimes in the middle of the muck, I would say as a player who's, I feel like I'm getting better. 
Um, sometimes when I kind of get in the muck of like round three and four, I lose sight of the win condition. And then, oh, what was it? It was uh, during the Age of Crusades tournament. I was playing uh, Stephen Holdeman opening round. Um, and I didn't realize that that the objectives as the rounds go on, I didn't calculate by like round three or four. He's getting like 10 points around out of these things. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, how do I even come back from that? I did exactly what I wanted to. I blew up all of his uh, mounted units and I still had my levy left for the Byzantines and was just like, I can't make back these points if I tried. Um, So I, I like both those are really, really good. Yeah. Um, and so. Coming up to the next question for you guys, is there any specific routine you use uh, for your drilling, right? So when you think about like, are there certain players you like to play? Are there certain war bands you want to experience against? Um, so you kind of already mentioned some of it is thinking about um, if I'm fighting shooting, if I'm fighting foot sloggers, am I fighting somebody who's going to be more defensive and we're going to fight somebody who's really aggressive um, or even just knowing the players. I think we go back to that too, is knowing for you guys, when we go up north, we kind of know a lot of the guys we play and for you guys, you've played them enough to know their play style a little bit. Um, so when you guys are, is there any like routine you like to use or any certain players you like to play against as you're practicing um, and going through some of these scenarios so you can have a good after action report? Well, we play against each other a lot, you know, so, mm -hmm. uh, but we'll play for instance, uh, but we'll probably give away too many things here. <laughs> it's up to you. I say that's yeah. That yeah. I'm not asking for the secret no, sauce no, here, but I think that's, the that's, uh... that's, that's that's what this is all about because we want everybody to get better. Yeah. Uh, for instance, if if I'm going to play your army, and I know you're going to have a pretty good idea, if you're playing that. Uh, Stephen will play that against me, and then I'll play mm -hmm. what if we think who what his opponent's going to be. I'll play that against him. So we have seen those armies. For instance, uh, you know we played. Uh, and neither one of us got to play Monty, but uh, we both played a lot of <laughs> lot of uh, games against picks <laughs> before we went okay. up to uh, up to uh, up to uh, Ravens, you know, because we were mm -hmm. we were ready for Monty if we got to play. And uh, so to be fair, too. I I'd also played Monty uh, in the Winter League online last yeah. year, picks. So I, I and then I played him <laughs> at Thimble uh, um, Winter also with the picks. So. Yeah. We had a, I had a lot of previous experience against uh, picks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so, you know, we, <laughs> we, we'll do that, you know, to, you know, on tabletop simulator, it's a you know, great tool to set up stuff and play, play those games. And a lot of times we'll set it up. We don't like the way the train looks that that ain't going to work. And we'll just reset it until we, you know, figure out something that looks like it might work. And, and then, play first couple rounds then once in a while we'll play a whole game you know so mm -hmm. uh, uh, uh so using tabletop simulator as a tool so I, I like that even just playing one or two rounds getting this train set do you like the start of this game um because i think we we talk a lot about the idea of how terrain um if we're doing clash of warlords the whole table's open right so i can put yeah. terrain anywhere but then once you get into these scenarios and you go, okay, terrain can't be within S, it can't be within M, or there's a fixed piece of terrain on the board, suddenly a lot of stuff goes out the window. Because um, if I have an army that likes being terrain, well, the whole center of the board now doesn't have any terrain. Well, um, in my game with John Seitz, when I played, he had Irish and he wants all the terrain on the board he could get. Uh -huh, yep. And so one of the reasons I wanted to be first was so that I could help dictate that terrain. And so my first first place of train was put it the large hill 
in his deployment area, right behind, <laughs> you know, right in the middle of it. And, mm -hmm. and then, and then it was funny because then we had a ring around the rosy game where he, I started, he started putting train to his left working towards me. And I started keeping these swamps and stuff going to the right or to my left. And, and then we deployed, I deployed left and he deployed left. And so we ended up facing each other across the short, short ends of the battle board <laughs> and fought back to the middle that way, you know, so, but it kept, it kept my army out of train, you know, and kept it away from him because I didn't want to be anywhere near, you know, uh, where he'd be in train. Yeah. I I guess that's kind of one of the things too is like even thinking about that is how going first dictating the terrain is because uh, I think I, it was the first player is the one who can dictate when to stop placing terrain and move a piece. Um, so like that, if I, I think, what is it? The uh, there's a couple of war bands that are really big, the pagan peoples and uh, kind of the Irish. Some of those guys really like terrain. Yeah. And so if I can say, nope, you only get two or three pieces of terrain that are going to be advantageous for you, then most of the board's open. So yeah. It's, I guess, kind of thinking, is there any other way that you can think of? Are there any, I don't know, I guess I go back to some of our training that we did. I know for Fimble Winter, I was kind of working through some other war bands, um, but going through and seeing on those scenarios when there's all those special characters, right? I think you and I played that game. What was it? I was last Romans and you were playing the Anglo-Saxons and I took the counselor because yeah. I went first and we yeah. saw how powerful the counselor ended up being for a war band so i could just kind of overshoot or rest yeah and it just yeah i'd had the counselor in a tournament before and i knew he was really good and mm -hmm. and, and uh the princess was my fallback i'm not mm -hmm. i'm not sure what steven took uh in that at, at ravens uh it's my fallback I, I was gonna go with the soldier i think did you have the counselor too yeah i, I went with yeah. the counselor though yeah <laughs> I feel like they need to come back with a soldier and they need to re FAQ the soldier. So there's another, there's like two counselors on the table. So everybody just gets a counselor at that point, <laughs> but it's just so powerful. Um, but yeah. So I, I guess thinking about that is for the drilling. Um, the last couple of questions I really have here, we've already kind of answered, um, but just kind of reiterating the points for you as you go through, do you adjust your war band as you're doing your after action reports? Is there any sp thing specific that you're looking at, like how this single unit performed. Um, is that something that's important for you when you, maybe even when you start integrating a mercenary, right? Like you took a uh, Goss, Steven with the, well, oh, what are they? The shield, shield maids. Yeah. Which it, it's, that's technically not allowed, but for this tournament, it was. Yeah. And hey, yeah, did, no, you did you practice with them prior to just to kind of get a feel for them in the, in the war band? Cause they are immensely powerful. I would say that shield maids are a great mercenary unit. Um, and putting him in the goss, I think it's just kind of wild, but I was did a you, little like, practice uh, with them or no, we, Charles and I had done the, the, the two, the two turn setup a couple, a number of times actually, because we were both a little busy before this tournament and we did get uh, a normal amount of like uh, a prep time. So I, I'd had, um, put them into combat myself, but I, had him played against me a number of times. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I kind of got to experience the, the, the pain of that already. Mm -hmm. uh, but they were fun to paint. I'll say that. So what models did you end up going with? If you don't want me to ask, I'm going to, I know it's kind of off topic, but I, I, I have the gripping beast ones. I think they look really cool. Um, I went with some 3d prints. So nice. 
Nice. Yeah, I found uh, I found a uh, I uh, a Valkyrie line or whatever, and then I found a separate figure that I wanted to use as the the leader, and mm -hmm. uh, just uh, they were probably a little too overly detailed because it was a lot of work and. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I set the figures on the table and by uh, turn one, I'd already broken the staff off of one of them. And I was like, kind of fuming plus trying to plan for my game. I'm like, how did I do that? I literally just got done painting this uh, the night before we uh, drove down here and uh, already broke it. So uh, I'm going to have to repair that. I actually forgot yep. about it until I brought that up. <laughs> I would say it's it's almost perfect that you spent the night before going to a tournament painting. I think that's uh, probably one of the most shared experiences I have heard so far across the entire miniature universe. Well, have you have you painted yet in the uh, in the motel room? Yet, so that's <laughs> that's what Luckily you have to not. get to yet. Yeah, uh, you'll you'll get to that. Yeah, uh, uh, you did ask about adjusting the warband, though. Mm -hmm. and, I did, and, and I I've played a. I'll use my Hun's, Hun list as an example here. I've, I've played that list in three or four tournaments and done pretty well with them every time I've played them. But the Hun list I was playing towards the end was quite a bit different than the Hun list I started with because I started figuring out different ways that I could use them. As you, and I think you talked about kind of learning the list and stuff mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. my previous podcast. But, uh, you know, I, I started off playing like 50% levy and because the huns have some really powerful mounted levy yeah. but but i'd gotten down to where i was only playing with one small pack of those and, and more more warriors because mm -hmm. and playing the warriors in smaller packs that i'd started playing them uh i think steven had kind of evolved with the goss and i'll let him say that but in, in a similar manner but six packs six packs of goth warriors you yeah. know were were nasty <laughs> on the board <laughs> and uh and there were a lot of them so uh so I, you know playing the list it, it had evolved and and that's just looking at how those battles went and what i was what i was actually using and winning with uh over time you know mm -hmm. and that's i like that that idea too is like thinking about how the, how the list i started with this and like i said we did do it on the uh kind of the lose 10 games idea of like playing through a war band. But that's why I want to do this one was specifically for tournaments too, is thinking yeah. about how they're interacting because a lot of different terms, right? Like you said, we go up North to those guys and they have just a slightly different variation on the rules or um, like Raj has some really great scenarios. And so those look different, right? The way he runs them is different than if I ran everything out of the book of battles. Um, so practicing for those and then using what you've learned to adapt to those specific um, scenarios, so yeah. Um, yeah. Then... One other thing, when you're, oh, go oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to ask the next question. So go ahead. I say I'd love to hear more, more of your thought on this. So just, please go just ahead. to follow up on what you just said, one of the things that um, can get somewhat confusing is if uh, you play a scenario different in uh, three different tournaments, which you know, in this case of this one, a heavy load. I've I've played that at least three different ways, and if you're not, you know, that's a good reason to review these things with, with a buddy, especially uh, because if the the objectives change or the scoring changes, it could, it you know, that's your your strategy needs to adjust, and mm -hmm. um, well, that's just going back to the mistake on heavy load where I where I didn't bid enough. Um, yep. You know, if I. Uh, if that was one of those previous scenarios, my bid might have been fine. Although, 
uh, I think that uh, they need to probably take maneuvers out of that uh, that particular yeah. scenario. Yep. No, but I, I think that's really important too. Is like you said, is as I play this, maybe I've played the scenario with different armies, or I'm playing it again, maybe against somebody that's a different opponent. And understanding how much the bid is worth. That if both of you would have bid zero, it would have been just kind of whoever goes. But um, yeah. And so it kind of brings me to our last question. Uh, are you looking to find kind of certain moves or plans to scenarios as you go through these practice games? So I know we've already kind of touched on this, but I think kind of going directly at the topic, either to refresh what we've already talked about. Um, but are you looking for a certain plan for each scenario? Yeah, I would say yes. Uh, definitely on the opening move, depending on mm -hmm. uh, and set up uh, how you're going to set your army up. Uh, I, I know, again, on the heavy load, I had practiced uh, on how I could take three dice and take two, two objectives in the first turn if I got to go first. And mm -hmm. so, you know, shame on me for not bidding more. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I knew how to do it. And uh, the Anglo-Saxons mm -hmm. had had the ability to do it and, and get there with only one fatigue. And then you could pick that up on your next turn. So, <laughs> you know, it was just a, a, you know, kind of a reluctance to want a bit more because of the way the scenario sets up where you couldn't score any massacre points. Uh, and I played a whole Stephen Holdeman, a, a practice game uh, in that where I went first and sacrificed a lot of my army to pull those scenarios off. And I knew how to do it. And, uh, you know, because it, it doesn't matter how many troops you lose and and you know to be fair joe did that to me after he got the scenarios uh, so i got mm -hmm. the got the got the objectives but yeah so certainly practicing opening moves is 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 something you want to do yep yeah because i know you guys talked about that as that idea play like one round two rounds and then kind of switch and talk yeah. about what you saw in the opening um i think it's a great speaking of tips to kind of throw out there but um I like that idea because I think about, and this maybe for me is going back to, we talked about this during our season breakdown was when you and I played Byzantines versus Crusaders and I was the Byzantines. Yeah. Um, and you kind of came out, you set the train to where you had kind of your, your like these alleyways that it was going to be a really tight quarters fight, which the Byzantines, I can move decently well, but I don't want to get up there and be the aggressor is heavy. And you kind of came up and you set this plan. I know you said you and Hollowell actually went through this and ran it a couple of times of like, how do you get this to, to work best? If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, and that, I will say that that game kind of plays in my head a lot. When I think about stuff like this is setting those out and practicing them and knowing what you want to accomplish in the first round or two to set yourself up. So. Yeah. And, you know, you look at what your army is capable of doing and, and, and mm -hmm. try to maximize that. Mm -hmm. so that whole prep and aar thing and <clears throat> there's just a lot of brainstorming goes on to the uh with all of that too so there's a lot of uh ideas that get bounced around and rejected and uh you know it's hard to come out of a conversation like this how much we actually talk about we drive mm -hmm. to minnesota or historicon or whatever we're, we're going over army lists we're talking about the stuff the whole thing and and our, our Flames of War group, for instance, uh, there are guys that would just write down what happened to the whole game. And then people would dissect it over our news group that we had going on at the time. Yeah. And we had, I don't know, we had a lot of players here at the time. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. kind of that's kind of where 
this whole uh, method where we prep for games and reflect on after got forged, at least for me. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we all, we've all had, uh, it's kind of odd in, in our group, and, and I didn't even know you were in the military, Britt, but a, a lot of these guys in these gaming groups that I've been in, for some reason or another, all have prior military experience. So <laughs> we're all familiar with AAR, but, uh, yep. you know, a, a lot of us weren't, weren't involved in the planning planning stages. So uh, just getting to uh, being able to have friends and, uh, you know, and uh, bounce ideas off them and learn from them and learn from their mistakes and, and that sort of thing is super beneficial. But, mm -hmm. it, you know, you could be in the middle of uh, living somewhere and not have uh, the ability to do that with any players. Well, you know, I, I would suggest going on to that tabletop simulator and getting on a uh, uh, Roger's Discord, and often mm -hmm. there's a league there where you can get games, or you could just go into Tabletop Simulator and set it up yourself. Probably a lot easier than you can if you if you have to keep uh, putting your gaming table together every time something yeah. comes over, like <laughs> I do. So, yep, yep, that's my gaming table is our arts and crafts table down here. So it's uh, cleared yeah. off consistently, but I, and that's that maybe I think is another thing I do like is that idea of like writing down. I think. I've shared this before is like going through and writing down your stuff in a journal or like that, doing an after action report where you write it and you submit it and have people give you feedback on it. Right. When you, Hey, in round three, when I did this and I kind of moved left to go after this, right. Somebody else maybe comes in and goes, Hey, you really should have kind of gone over here and held your ground instead of worrying so much about the objective. I, I, I like that idea of like letting the whole group kind of critique you um, as a way to get better too. But yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's very beneficial, you know, because nobody's going to think of everything, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, if, you, if we share ideas with each other, uh, you know, somebody will, 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 you know, invariably think it's something that, you know, you've overlooked and can really help you, mm -hmm. So, if, if, but you have to trade ideas to do that. Yeah. Well, with that, that kind of brings me to kind of the end of the questions and kind of a good closeout. And I think that's a great point to end on, too, is that just that willingness to kind of, oh, what was it? The old the old analogy we used to use a lot, right, is uh, many hands make light work, right? So kind of getting that feedback if you can. Uh, the Saga Discord, I think what Saga Thursday, gosh, like it's almost a thousand people on there now. Um, and there's always will somebody willing to give you critiques, whether they're guys who have been playing Saga for 10 years now or guys who have been wargaming like you guys. Um for quite a while and have a lot of great ideas that just easily adapt to the world that is saga. Yeah. There's a, there's a basic, uh, when you're playing war games, typically on tabletop, there, there's a, a, a basic understanding. The rules may be very different, but still armies mm -hmm. are closing and just spatial awareness of what's going on. That, that stuff all transfers from game to game, you know, mm -hmm. so you can kind of know what's going on on the table. I, I will say this, and I and and a lot of clubs are like this, but we're very fortunate in Kansas City to have a lot of good players, and and you know, mm -hmm. getting to play good players makes you better, and and our and mm -hmm. and our players all all were willing to, you know, to to share ideas with each other. So uh, that's that's really helpful. Yeah, it is. I say that's probably most of the reason I decided to start the podcast was just to get you guys talking. So I can hear a lot of these ideas, but also share them with kind of, again, going back to how wonderful the saga community is, because yeah. there's so many great guys that are super competitive and I want them to be more competitive. I want them to be better and I want to get better. So, yeah. So kind of any closing remarks, um, kind of any last thoughts you guys have before we kind of close out today? 
Uh, I think I'm good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just uh, want to say, oh, go yeah, ahead, no, Charles, go ahead. No, yeah, just know how much to bid. <laughs> that's, that's probably, probably a, a really <laughs> That's good to end on that one right there, yeah. I think. Oh. That is. Know your bid, but I just want to say thank you guys both for taking some time uh, to share some of your wisdom with us and go through kind of your breakdown of going up to a what sounded like a really fun tournament. So thank you guys for both being here. Well, thank you, Brett, for having us. Yep, thank you. Yeah.